Welcome to Power Up, a podcast show hosted by Maurizio Di Paolo Emilio that brings life to some of the stories on Power Electronics technologies and products featured on PowerElectronicsNews.com and through other as Pencore Media publications. In this show, you'll hear both engineers and executives discuss news, challenges, and opportunities for power electronics in markets such as automotive, industrial, and consumer. Here is your host, Editor-in-Chief of PowerElectronicsNews.com and EEWeb.com, Maurizio Di Paolo Emilio. Hello, everyone. Welcome to this new episode of uh, Power Up. And today I am here with my colleague, Nitin Hart, Editor-in-Chief of Embedded. Hi, Nitin. How are you? I'm right here. Uh, fine, thank you. So, you attended the, the Goodwood Festival of Speed. Uh, you wrote a nice article uh, published on eetimes.eu. At the top, you wrote, if you want to see the future of automotive technology, a good place to, uh, to look is in the world of motorsport technology. So, I totally agree. So tell us uh, your experience at the uh, Goodwood Festival of Speed in UK, London, I guess. So it's actually in Chichester, which is a two and a half hour drive from London uh, on the south coast of England. Very beautiful place. Uh, lots of nice scenery if you like to drive cars. <laughs> so, <laughs> yes, it was actually a very interesting experience. This is my second year of attending uh, yeah. Good Festival of Speed. And uh, this year, the organizers told me it was a sellout. Uh, 200,000 people were there. So it's not just, it, it's very much um, a lot of families, a lot of uh, car enthusiasts, a lot of motorsports fans. Um, but uh, ultimately, it's all about the cars. And, and for us, it's about the technology and the powertrains. Good. So I know that you uh, talked with several executive people. Uh, Lamborghini, Mercedes, and uh, and others. Yes, I did. Um, had some very good uh, interviews there. Um, so uh, I uh, connected with uh, Reuven Moore, uh, CTO of Lamborghini, and he was very sort of generous with his time in terms of telling me about the their plans and some of the work they're doing. And you'll hear in the interview uh, their path to electrification, but also uh, they've been working with MIT on supercapacitors and you know, sort of just how they're still looking at pursuing that in terms of you know, the technology for uh, sort of electric uh, cars. They are, uh, I mean, one thing about Lamborghini, and I think it might be a very Italian thing, that they said they wanted to celebrate the, the final year of the inter internal combustion engine. Uh, and I think what they mean is, you know, this is basically uh, celebrating what they've had in the, in the history, but also then moving to Uh, that path to electrification, which they already announced last year. So mm -hmm. it's just, yeah, sort of moving towards that. So electrification is, uh, I mean, is uh, is a must, I guess. So is uh, electrification is, is a key part uh, of the plan to reduce greenhouse gas emissions from road transport. That's right. Uh, and uh, anyway, also uh, supercars, as, as you said, uh, are moving in this uh, direction. Yes. Uh, for, for sure, there are challenges. I mean, challenges in terms of uh, cost, in terms of uh, uh, range, long range. Yes. Uh, at the power up, for example, um, the speaker talked about uh, range anxiety. Uh, that yes. means we need, uh, I mean, to have uh, a good infrastructure 
behind uh, electric vehicles. Uh, that means fast charge, uh, fast charging. So the, the main challenges will be cost and driving range. Driving range is connected to the battery, but yes. also the cost of the battery is, is a problem. Also the techno technology of the battery, the material, the cells. Mm. So tell me your, your feedback that sure. also you, you did catch from, uh, from the festival. Yeah, so actually uh, there are two aspects to and there are two interviews I've got, which uh, hopefully um, will sort of illustrate uh, some of those challenges and how they've tackled them. So first of all, you talked about range. And um, uh, just before Goodwood, uh, Mercedes-Benz uh, had a, a car which drove from Stuttgart in Germany to uh, Silverstone racetrack in, in the UK, uh, uh, 1,200 kilometers on a single charge. So I spoke to um, Simon Cawthorn, who is, heads up a Mercedes uh, power, high performance, AMG perform, high performance powertrains. And he explained some of the challenges and how they managed to get the efficiency that enabled this uh, long range trip. And uh, so you'll hear some of those things in, in that about, you know, one of the key things was about the, the cooling <laughs> yeah, you know, of the batteries and you know, making sure that uh, you know the the fan and, and everything else, you know, the temperature rate uh, is kept correct. And uh, there's quite a few other things, and uh, they do some very clever things there as well. But yeah. that actually also comes to the first point you made in the introduction, which is uh, motorsports technology really points us to uh, the future. So all the stuff they're doing here at Goodwood and you know in hypercars and supercars will ultimately. Uh, they're pushing the limits because ultimately then that can then translate to the the commercial exactly. vehicles and and then you know that then helps us to get more range more power from these batteries and then the other interviews which actually would be very interesting so um mcmurtry automotive um it's uh, mm -hmm started by, a, uh, I don't think they like to call it this, this, but and I think an Irish billionaire. I think he was in electronics, Sir David McMurtry. And um, they wanted to do something which is basically start designing a car with a clean sheet. And so they've uh, they introduced it last year, and I wrote about it last year in eetimes.eu. Mm -hmm. And uh, this year, amazingly, they uh, improved it. And obviously, battery cell technology is one of them, the things that help them. And they actually... Uh, broke the world record uh, for the hill climb at uh, Goodwood. Uh, so they're very pleased with that. Yeah, it's a very small company, uh, young, talented uh, design engineers. Uh, and um, they were very pleased and uh, they got the award. But I spoke to um, uh, the chief engineer who was working on the battery cell technology. So you'll hear that interview. And he talked about why they selected Molycell. Molycell uh, is based in Taiwan. Okay. And uh, why they select, uh, selected Molycell. One of the key things was obviously the, the retention capacity mm -hmm. of the battery. So they said, you know, Molycell sort of beat all the others. You know, they looked at all the big uh, battery manufacturers and, and, and I think this one beat everybody on ter in terms of capacity, uh, sorry, ten retention capacity. Um, so then I follow that up with an interview with uh, this, uh, the president of Molycell, uh, who is also there. And uh, you'll see the, uh, the write-up in eu. But basically, uh, he talks about how they are pushing uh, for high performance uh, in the batteries. But then 
uh, he also explains why you know that is also uh, green and he talks about it's not about storing the energy it's about transferring the energy and how they can do that efficiently and there's some figures that i think uh, i was quoted by both mcmurtry and molasell uh, that they're getting you know 25 percent better capacity uh, with the same size cells same size batteries the same uh, power which basically means they get more range uh, so i think you know it's actually quite interesting so you'll hear that as well um the other so anyway that's i think those were yeah, the keys this is uh, this is great and uh, you will uh, hear the voice uh, after this one from uh, from needing and the these uh, speakers so electric vehicles i mean we electric vehicles is also when we talk about electric vehicles as you know uh, we can talk also about uh, silicon carbide because yes. uh, we worked uh, in uh, silicon carbide book uh, and uh, so we have seen uh, writers uh, that uh, wrote about uh, uh, how silicon carbide is uh, is planning in in the powertrain because i mean the problem is uh, is the cost that we yes. need to reduce the cost one way to reduce cost is uh, so just to increase efficiency is to in integrate the powertrain. Yes. Uh, you you talked about uh, battery, you, uh, thermal management because we need also to reduce the heat. In right. this case, we can increase uh, the, the the efficiency. So, do you think that we we are ready? So, technology is is clear. So, we have technology. Maybe we need to reduce the cost. Uh, we need to improve uh, silicon carbide devices, uh, but also gain in terms of wideband gap. So, do you think that we are ready with electric well, you, to change <laughs> with electric? Uh, if, you, if you go to Goodwood uh, and and anything like this, you know, where it's focused on motorsports, yes, we're ready. Uh, but I guess then it's a question of how does that translate to to cost mm -hmm. in commercial vehicles, and and that's where I think um, you know. Uh, we we can definitely develop those conversations with these people, uh, you know, with the people I've interviewed and more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mercedes. I mean, uh, obviously, you know, they, they push that limit, you know, quite a lot. And you know, I think they yeah. they definitely sh have demonstrated that. But I, I guess um, you will see that uh, very soon, especially with everybody pushing this so hard in terms of getting the performance, getting everything um, for events like this and uh you know breaking world records so i think uh, th that is coming um i just also wanted to talk about another thing mm -hmm. uh, sure. uh, i also interviewed some an interesting uh company from california uh the chief engineer um and he, the company is called zynga vehicles and uh, another interesting aspect is how they're using 3D printing of components mm -hmm. within the supercar. And they've actually um, uh, demonstrated that at uh, Goodwood. And uh, if you get a chance to hear it um, on this, uh, uh, then he he actually talks about uh, how they're trying to do things different. And everything is about trying to do things in a different way. And if you look at the components, they look like a tree branch or, or a tree root, because what they've done is they've They've started with a blob and rather than start with the traditional way of just you know the, the fixings and whatever they've done it in a way which makes it more efficient and if you look at some of the components if you can make them more efficient in terms of the the transfer of energy 
then actually it doesn't matter what shape it is. And mm. I think that's what, why the 3D printing of components has enabled them to do that. So, so that'd be an interesting one to look at for as well in terms of doing things differently in terms of the components uh, for, for that energy uh, efficiency, energy transfer and efficiency. Yeah, this is a nice point. This is because 3D printing can uh, can offer a new way, I mean, in terms of uh, uh, thermal, in terms of uh, how to uh, to set new components, in terms of um, all the electric vehicles uh, inside, yeah. not only powertrain, but also the, the other part. Yes, this is a good point. Indeed, but electric vehicle is, I mean, in terms of power, anyway, we can talk about 20 times more or less than uh, conventional vehicles, so in conventional, I mean, uh, internal combustion engine. So there is a lot of challenges in terms of power, heat, yeah. and so on. Yeah, so I think reimagining, uh, they're not using this word, I use this word just now, but reimagining the way <laughs> components are created could be one way. Um, and, and sort of, I think what uh, Zynga said is uh, making the components as Mother Nature intended them. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, exactly. but, uh, uh, anyway, yeah. So I, th I think okay. overall, we we got we 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 got quite a good uh, snapshot of what's going on in automotive, it, pushing the limits of automotive technology. And I think uh, it, it was worthwhile seeing some of that. Thank you, Nidin. Thank you for sharing uh, your experience at the uh, Goodwood Festival with uh, with us. Always a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you, Nidin. Uh, well, as always, Maria. Thanks. Here at the Goodwood Festival of Speed, and I'm uh, talking to Reuven Moore, CTO of Lamborghini. Reuven, hello. Hi, nice to meet you. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're up to at festival here this year? I mean, in general, I have to say that I really love this festival because you have a real a huge bandwidth of cars, of old cars, new cars. We with Lamborghini, we have today, we have three cars here. We have the Huracan range, so we have a Spider, the Huracan STO, so our track-oriented car, and then also finally the newest version, the Huracan Technica that we have launched some weeks ago in New York. Thank you. And uh, we discussed this earlier, and I think it's very much still IC range, but uh, you have a very full path to electrification to, say, 2030. Uh, tell me just about that plan. Yeah, I mean, in general, you're right, uh, because, we, you know, we love also the combustion engine. Therefore, this year is the last year of celebrating the only combustion engine world. And then starting from next year, we have our company strategy. It's called Core Tauri, means the path to the electrification. We start next year with the first plug-in hybrid car and then until end of 2025 we have a fully range of only plug-in hybrids and then let me say later on in the decade we will have also the first full electric car we're already working on so you can be excited excellent okay let's get into a little bit of the depths we talked about various things around the electrification technologies one area about supercapacitors yeah. and you say there's still potential in in that and you've done some work in that area and you're pursuing that tell us a little bit about that yeah i mean this is really an interesting topic because we have launched some years ago the it was a, 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 special, a limited series of cars where we have used the first time a supercapacitor for the power increase. And also, let me say, this is a, we work together with MIT on this topic, and we strongly believe that this could be a good combination between the high power density of the supercapacitor and the high energy density of the battery. So the combination of both could open some doors in the future. So we are still investigating the potentials. Tell me a little bit about um, the work you're doing in, uh, in the the electrical architecture of your cars and, and how you're sort of drawing on the 
group architecture? Yeah. yeah, I mean, in general, to be honest, in the future, this will be more and more absolutely mandatory that you have the right electronic architecture in the car with the, combined with the right software. So therefore, I mean, we have a big advantage because we are part of the Volkswagen Group. And in the Volkswagen Group, we have really a strong, let me say, electronic development. Now it's also with a new company, software company, Carriot, it's called. And for sure, we have the, the full availability of all the state-of-the-art electronic architecture as a backbone. But nevertheless, for the human interface means what the perception of the customer is, we can also define our own, let me say, requirements that a Lamborghini is really unique a Lamborghini. But in the general, I can tell you that if you speak about the cars of the future, to have the right electronic architecture, it's that success factor of the future. And, and it's very much domain-based is very important because of the, especially for performance cars. Yeah, especially, I mean, if you speak about performance cars and you want to use the full potential of the reactiveness of the electric motor, for sure you come to a point where the communication can be the bottleneck. And to avoid this, for sure you need the proper setup regarding the architecture and also regarding the communication speed between the different control units. This is one of the differentiation factors for the future. In the past, I mean, you can imagine the size of the fuel pump was decisive. In the future, the electronic network makes a difference. The other thing I think we touched on is AVDI, but you're, that's the path to ML and AI and learning about driver behavior and all that. Yeah, I mean, LDVI, it's our kind of intelligence in the car that controls all the dynamically relevant functions like rear wheel steering, torque vectoring, and so on. And to be honest, this is a future, in the future, we will even invest a little bit more on this because if you speak about machine learning, for instance, you can imagine that you have a control unit that even understands your driving style and adapts the reaction of the car, especially to your individual driving style. This can be very cool. Well, on that note, thank you very much, Ruben. Yeah, you're welcome. I'm here with Kevin Ukoko Ronjona of McMurtry, and we're going to talk a little bit about cell technology. Kevin, hello. Hello. You've uh, announced a partnership with Molly Cell. You're the guy who talks technology. Tell me a little bit about uh, why you chose Molly Cell and uh, uh, what they're helping you to do. Okay, so right at the outset of the project, we thought it was very important to have batteries that would offer very good power and very good energy density. So we wanted high capacity, high power uh, um, delivery from the cells. This would be key to achieve the highest uh, performance car. Normally, um, you either go lots of cells specialize in doing high power or some others are high energy, but they don't deliver the same power. So we wanted one that would do both. We looked at all the cells in the market. We tested... Um, all the cells from all the biggest uh, manufacturers um, in the world. And what we found is that even though many manufacturers would claim in, that they would be able to do a certain capacity, after testing them uh, on the test bench and after about 50 cycles, that capacity would be completely degraded. So it, it would start at a you know, capacity of 10 and would end up at a capacity of 6 after just 50 cycles. Whereas the Molly cells, um, the capacity with which they started, after 50 cycles, there was still very high capacity, much higher than the other cells. So that's why we thought we need to use Molly cells because it's not just what the car can do after you charge it the first time, it's how the car performs six months down the line, a year down the line. And Molly cell gave us just the best durability on the back. And um, so I think you talked about um, capacity improvements. So how are they achieving this? Right? Um, since uh, starting this technical partnership with uh, Molly Cell, we've been able to work very closely together and they've given us a, a very good overview of all the um, new chemistries and the new cells that are coming in the next few years. And it's been amazing to see how quickly they're working, how fast they're developing the cells. So the, the chemistry inside the cells is just evolving so quickly. And the cell which we have at the moment so um, is a cell that was available a year ago. 
we're going to replace the cell with a new cell that's uh, uh, coming out at the end of this year. And just by switching to that new cell, even though the, the weight, uh, the mass will be the same, the power delivery will be the same, but we will increase the capacity by up to 15%. And we've also started working on the road car and working with Molecell, we're able to see what cell is coming next year and what cells will be available for us when we launch the road car. And just by knowing that, we can already, we know that the um, road car will have a 25% improved uh, capacity. Uh, so that's just extra range for, without any weight penalties or and still being able to deliver the same power. Kevin, thank you very much. Okay, thank you. So I'm now talking to Casey Shui at the McMurtry Pavilion at uh, Goodwood Festival of Speed. Casey, hello. Hi. So Casey Shue is the president of MolyCell, which is a uh, battery cell technology group. Tell us a little bit about that, Casey. Well, uh, MolyCell is a, a company who are just uh, focused on the high power and high discharge, uh, high charge, and also high energy density batteries making. Okay, we truly believe that the the meaning of the energy is not to store; it's the to transfer more efficient. That's we focus on high power. Your focus is very much on the high performance, uh, high energy density. Is that right? Yes. Uh, basically, um, as, as everyone knows, uh, that uh, Tesla applied the NCA cylindrical cells. We also use the NCA nickel, cobalt, uh, aluminum as the cathode material. But some things are extremely different. They are focused on the, the energy. We are focused on the power. We can be uh, in the same level of the energy density, but we do hope that our cell can provide more energy in a shorter time and can be charged faster. And, and this is where your uh, relationship with McMurtry comes in. You started talking to them about a year ago because uh, they approached you, is that right? Yes, yes. A group of, of uh, young talent just come to us that talk about, okay, we have the great ideas. I, after, the, after the discussion, we truly believe that there's so brilliant ideas. So I, I just told them, ask my RD team, we need uh, brand new cells, okay? You've, you've got a partnership with them, so it's not just providing the technology, but investment as well, is that right? Yes, yes, of course. We have the lots of the, the great company with the great ideas like this. So that's the reason last year we formally would make the decision to put the uh, invest 700 million US, the first uh, big gigafactory in Taiwan. The McMurtry car, I think, is about 6,000 cells uh, and it's providing this performance in this car. For that, obviously, you need uh, lots of cells if you're going to provide this, not just for McMurtry, but for other cars. So that's why you need this capacity. Is that right? Yes, yes, definitely. We hope that this kind of the car cannot just uh, produce one, two. We truly believe that this kind of the car can produce over 10,000, 100,000. Everybody can use that. Of course, the 0 to 100 acceleration, less than 1. Point five second is a little bit crazy, but we believe that this kind of the car is much more environmental and green than rest of the super IC supercars. Just explain why that is. Because the zero emission. Okay, think about that. When the, the batteries can be uh, charged, full charge, that can be easily achieved. The, the really high speed, like the 250 or 300, and the driving range can be long, but without any emission of the carbon. 
less heat. And on, on top of that, our cells can generate less heat because of high power. We don't have, we have just the 50% of the resistance compared with the cells other uh, car makers use. So less heat, less the uh, carbon emission. Everything about the green, but the no trade-off on the performance. Well, that's interesting. No trade-off on performance. That's what you need here. Um, now, this Gigafactory is coming in to production next year, you say? Yes. Uh, it should be the Q1 uh, 2023. Totally could be 2 giga. Okay, and then you'll be supplying not just McMurtry, but uh, the whole EV industry, is that right, for the performance cars? Yes, definitely. We would like to provide the, uh, the, the, uh, the ourselves to the most the uh, hypercars, because as we know, for the past 100 years, those uh, hypercars, Formula One, they actually lead the technology, leading to the whole automotive in industry. And not only for the hypercars, we also pay high interest in the, the eVTOL, electrical air plan. Okay, we believe that that will be another revolution of the electrical vehicle. Well, Casey, thank you very much. Thank you, thank you. I'm now with Ewan Baldry, uh, Chief Engineer at Zynga Vehicles. Ewan, hello. Hi. Tell me a little bit about uh, Zynga and where it c came from first. Yeah, sure. I mean, the, the founder of the company, Kevin Zynga, um, was involved in an early EV startup company. And um, it was around about the time that Tesla were getting going. And um, it was a fairly conventional body in white, um, combined with a new novel electric powertrain. But um, a key takeaway from Kevin's experience was that you know, a huge proportion of the investment to, to get the program going was invested um, in producing this conventional body in white, which is made, you know, the same way cars have been made for 100 years, I would say, which requires, you know, very, very intense um, investment up front to make design-specific tooling to, you know, stamp out large metal panels. And I guess the problem with that is that you have to commit to that investment before you get your first product. And... If the product ultimately isn't successful, tough, you've spent the money anyway. So uh, he just felt there must be a better way to do it in the modern age. And um, Divergent was formed um, with the mission of basically developing a new end-to-end -end manufacturing system where the focus was on toolless. So no tooling allowed for the manufacturing of the constituent parts of the vehicle structure and no tooling allowed either for the assembly of them. And, and sort of that's resulted in um, Zynga spin, uh, spinning out of that to enable those technologies to be deployed there. Yeah, absolutely. So before Zynga Vehicles was actually founded, we had an in-house hypercar program at Divergent, which was really an in-house application for the engineers to, you know, practice on and develop the technology, you know, behind closed doors, clearly with something so new and revolutionary as what Divergent are up to. To try and attempt that with a customer is, is risky, obviously, and so it makes sense instead to prove things out behind closed doors before rolling it out. So the hypercar w was that. It was you know, intentionally a hypercar because the idea was to have a kind of wow product at the end of it and to use that as a, a marketing tool as well to show to the end customers of Diverge Technology who were effectively OEM vehicle manufacturers to show them that you could actually build a car in this way. However, when the first car became a reality, the response that it got from a private showing actually at Pebble Beach where the company rented a, a house and, and just showed it privately to invited guests, the response kind of prompted ideas of setting up a product company. And so Zinger Vehicles was born whereby Divergent is the, the technology company and, and Zinger is a product company that is making use of the, the state of the art as to where Divergent technology is at. 
And from what I understand, uh, Divergent has already got um, 10 plus OEM customers for the toolless technology. Yeah, absolutely. That's obviously been the end game is to attract the OEM manufacturers. And I think when they've both seen the hypercar, but also the presentations that get made to them, I think it's inevitable that this technology is the future of automotive manufacturing. Clearly for some, you know, like super high volume, then the technology isn't ready yet. But they, you know, in many cases, they know it's coming and want to make sure that they're involved at the ground floor, such as when it is appropriate to their their business cases, their business models and their volumes, etc. that they're, you know, not starting from scratch at that point. On the other hand, there are customers where there'll be divergent vehicle structures in production cars driving on the roads within the next 12 to 18 months. Uh, let's get to the, um, the, the the parts. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the key thing is that because we 3D printing is our enabler and at Divergent, Wersinger is also based, we have, I think, what must be one of the biggest, if not the biggest, and certainly the most sophisticated metal 3D printer facilities probably in the world. And when, when you're, I mean, you almost really, as you walk through the door, need to have a frontal lobotomy because all of your previous ideas about how to manufacture things, it really goes out of the window. Obviously, the printers print what you tell them to print. So it means that we can exploit lots of additional technologies and AI comes into it, as you said. So to try and describe it, we use a process called topology optimization, and we have an in-house team of software engineers that develop that software for us. So again, it's part of this kind of full stack that Divergent are offering. And basically what we do is we we define the hard points, you know, the bits where the component is going to interface with others. We then obviously define the load cases, so what the component is likely to experience. And then we define, I mean, I'm sure the guys who do it have a different term, but I call it a blob of material. So effectively are telling the machine that it's able to put material anywhere within this blob that we've created. We call it a design volume. And then what happens is, again, it's slightly easy to explain if I say what used to happen. So I've been a design engineer for 25 years and I would design a component based on using my engineering knowledge and 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 then would analyze it once I'd made that first iterative design. And based on that analysis would then go back and redesign or, or, or modify it. Instead, this is all done at the front end. So we, as I said, we create the blob of material, say where material can be placed, fix the hard points, fix the loads, and then give the machine targets. So generally, we're telling it that we want, you know, as stiff as possible within a given weight limit, mass limit. And so what then happens is that the the machine iterates away and effectively in the virtual space is dissolving away the material that it doesn't need. And it means that we end up with these very kind of organic, you know, bone-like looking structures, perhaps. And I guess the reason for that is that our software is trying to make the most efficient use of material and the most efficient use of energy in terms of the manufacturing of it too. And that's what nature does all day long. You know, it, Nature is always in a fight for optimized use of materials. So it kind of stands to reason that if our, you know, our machine is able, you know, is doing its job properly, then the output would generally look organic. So what's next uh, uh, for Zynga? So we're here, obviously, at Goodwood right now showing our you know, vehicle prototype. And between now and August 2023, um, the team back in California, I'm having a nice week away from them, but they're all back busy beavering away on the production version of the car, um, which obviously is, is a road car. So um, 
it's got to be fully um, you know US compliant so crash tested and also we're going to meet the California emissions um, requirements too so between now and August 2023 we're busy working away on that but it's also important to say that you know the hypercar of which we're going to build just 80 so it's an you know an exclusive um, offering but it's the first in a range of products that we're planning for for Zinger vehicles Zinger vehicles will likely always be a niche vehicle manufacturer the intention is to be doing higher volumes than just the 80 of the hypercar so you know probably getting into a few hundred potentially a thousand or so of future models but the idea is that it's always um, you know demonstrating presenting exploiting the state of the art of divergence technology Ewan thank you very much thank you I'm now here with Simon Cawthorn of Mercedes-AMG and just with the car that's just 1,200 kilometres on one charge. Simon, hello. Hi there, how are you? Good. Tell me about some of the design challenges. First of all, tell me uh, which bit of Mercedes you, you work for. So I work for Mercedes-AMG HPP. We were responsible for a lot of the powertrain components in EQXX. Thank you. Getting 1,200 kilometres on one charge, what were some of the design challenges here from the powertrain and the computing side of that? So we had an efficient, a powertrain efficiency of about nine, or better than 95% um, battery to drive shaft. Um, so we had to go all the way back to scratch to think, okay, where can we get that from? We looked at our Formula E experience, which, which we have a lot of experience from, and AMG Project One and Formula One. So we've taken technologies from those, re-reviewed a lot of new technology that we hadn't done before, and packaged them all together to try and achieve that 95%. We also worked with our colleagues in Stuttgart to, with a new motor and gearbox development and package the whole, whole thing together. Yeah, tell me some of the sort of detail of, of the uh, powertrain and, and the battery management. Okay, so um, on the inverter drive, we've worked with partners such as OnSemi with silicon carbide MOSFETs and taken our known technology from AMG1 and matched that with that technology from Formula E. In the battery, we've done a lot of work with analog devices, used some of their base components and new development components as well to deliver a powertrain, a, a battery system that includes active balance Balancing. EQXX is the first car to run active balancing um, and we've had some really good benefits seen already with that system beyond just getting it working. A couple of other firsts that you mentioned you know, in, in addition to the active, active balancing and inverter side. So a lot, a lot of it was around really detailed design component selection um, which is difficult in this day and age at the moment with, difficult, with component availability. We've used um, a thing called the Eat and Brake Tour which is the first time that's, that's been used in a vehicle. So we've had a close relationship with them. What do you think is the, the biggest achievement on this, on the technology side? To hit those targets, to hit less less than 10 kilowatt hours per 100 kilometers has been a massive achievement, both from an aerodynamics and a powertrain electronics perspective. So real combined effort for a lot of teams. Simon, thank you very much. No worries. Thanks very much. That brings us to the end of this episode. Stay tuned with more news and technical aspects about power electronics. If you are listening to this on the podcast page at etimes.com or powerelectronicsnews.com, links to articles on topics we have discussed are shown in this page. Power Up is brought to you by Aspencore Media, the host is Maurizio Di Paolo Emilio, and the producer is James Eid. Thank you everyone for listening. See you next episode. Stay tuned.